Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, Joined here, as always, by Tom Doran. Yes, indeed. Hello. Tom, you doing all right? I'm well. And you? I am doing great. We, we've we got a really cool guest today. I know we do. We always do. We but, do. But I will say this. This one, we, we've got another philosophy guy in here. We need one of those. Well, we do, because we've got this longstanding argument. We're going to talk about that in a second. And I want to introduce our guest, and it's Dr. John Cutteback. Uh, Dr. Cutteback is, he's got a Ph.D. in philosophy from the Catholic University of America, and he's currently... Professor of Philosophy at Christendom College in Front Royal, Virginia. He lectures and writes on various topics, including natural law, virtue, culture, contemplation, and friendship. And uh, Dr. Cutterback probably would tell you some of his greatest accomplishments would be his his beautiful wife. Absolutely. Right? And his six kids. And so, Dr. Cutterback, welcome to the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm very happy to be with you in the cafe. Thanks so much. So you have to solve our little philosophical dilemma. I'll because, try. Yeah, because uh, Tom here says, I think, therefore I eat. And and I think it's I eat, therefore I think, uh, you know, yes. and, you know, the old Descartes thing. So you have to tell us which one you think it might actually be. Well, I think I'm going to take a few minutes to think about yeah. that while I eat. Well, very and good. There you go. That's a great there answer. Great go. answer. Instead of Descartes, it's the dessert cart. We will wheel that out and Excellent. take care of business. So we're going to talk about this excellent book you have here. Some people might be uh, aware of it. It's called True Friendship, Where Virtue Becomes Happiness. And this is quite an intriguing title. And when we hear this true friendship, as we start, John, where, where did your idea come from in, in creating this book? Well, I've had the pleasure of teaching philosophy at the college level for a good number of years now. And I found that among the many things I teach, uh, ethics I particularly enjoy and in ethics, friendship is actually one of the main topics. And that's because in the famous Nicomachean Ethics, written by Aristotle several hundred years before Christ, um, he actually spends a good part of it writing on friendship. And it was that part of my course that particularly affected people. I didn't realize that you can actually study friendship in college. So that that's news to me. Hey. The students are... Uh, are listening to this and it's changing their lives. And I would have thought that someone talking about friendship would have been like, well, what's the big deal? Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the amazing thing is, is Aristotle actually gives us the tools to discern um, what kind of friendships we have. I mean, everybody has friends of some kind. Mm-hmm. But the great insights of Aristotle help us realize, well, there are friends and then there are friends. And what's the difference? Right. So what's the difference between a regular friendship and a true friendship because that's an important word true it is it is and, and the interesting thing is i think we all already know even that fundamental distinction that there are friends that we would call true mm-hmm. but i think very few of us have actually thought about what would set real true friendship apart and aristotle actually goes into that and i think the distinctions he makes really bring out something that maybe we knew was there but we haven't thought about and then people realize wow 
realizing this about true friendship, I look differently at the relationships I have and should be trying to form. Well, so what are some of those things? How do we identify that? Because you you make a great point, and that is, well, you know, we all have these friendships that we go like, that's a, he's a really good friend. Mm-hmm. And how we distinguish between that person we'd call the true friend and the and the ordinary friend, what are some of the things that would help us distinguish those things? Right. Well, Aristotle really takes us to two main points that set the true friendship apart from other kinds of friendship. And they are wanting, truly wanting what is best for the other person hmm. and truly seeing the other person for who he or she is. And when we say that, it's, it sounds it sounds simple, but there's a lot going on there. Yeah, I was going to say, because I know I guarantee if, if, if we were asking people to raise their hands, who, who wants to do a favor for a friend, right? And it's not totally what you're talking about, because even when we do those favors, it ends up being something that we do for ourselves. And it's hard to distinguish or, or, I guess, to divorce ourselves from that, that self-pleasure and doing things for ourselves, actually, when we're doing things for others. But you're talking about totally doing something for the good of the other person. You're referring to a real part of the challenge here. It's to really see what it means and then to live what it means to look to another and to say, I see you for who you are, and I really am motivated by bringing about your happiness, by helping you flourish, by helping you be the person you can be, that God wants you to be. Mm-hmm. It, it really is a, an amazingly beautiful thing and it requires a lot of us. But a lot of people would say that, that I'm doing that now. But then we look around the world and we realize that we don't have a lot of true friends, that we have a lot of challenges, in fact. So what are those, what are those things that are challenging us to be true friends? What are the things that are keeping us from, from true friendship? Well, I think, first of all, it's, it requires that we have a certain understanding of what we would actually want for somebody. Mm. I mean, it's, it's one thing to say, hey, you know, I, I want you to do well. You know, I, I like you. I want what's best for you. But do we understand, do we have a vision of what would really be good for others? And are we really thinking of that when we look at the other person and say, I want what's best for you? Are we thinking in terms of really the true happiness in all of its nobility of the other person? See, this is where it starts to get deep and philosophical, right? Knowing that person. Mm-hmm. To be truly their friend is not mm-hmm. just to do a kind action mm-hmm. towards somebody, but it's to, it's, to, it's to get to know them. Let's delve into that word know. What does it mean to know yeah. another person? One little exercise I actually have my students do is I say, I want you to just think for a moment now and ask yourself, how many people really know me? How many people really know me in my deepest desires, in my hopes, in my strengths, in my weaknesses? If someone's really going to be a friend, we need to know one another in a, in a deeper kind of way. We really have to go past the surface, the various ways that we project ourselves to others, and really see where one another stand in life. This idea of knowing another, does it happen a lot? Is it rare? Well, it's, it's interesting you say that. Aristotle explicitly asked the question, why are these real, true friendships rare? And there's two main reasons he gives. But one of them is that it, it takes a lot to really to get to know one another. 
So already you have to have a certain kind of time together. You have to have a certain context. You have to have a certain interest and willingness to really look. Yes, in order and, to get to know one another. And that that's way. where I would get to this idea of like, well, is this for anybody? Can anybody do this? Can anybody have a true friendship? Right. Well, that that actually that actually uh, brings us to the to the second thing. Well, <laughs> it, of it requires that we have a certain kind of character also. Ah. And so both both of these two things that he said are the reasons why this friendship tends to be rare. That one, it takes a long time. It takes a lot of work to get to know one another. And two, it takes a certain kind of character. Both of these things help us realize this is going to require much of us. It's anyone, I would say, can do it, but that doesn't mean that most of us are doing it. Why does someone want to have a, a true friend? I guess we should go there also, this whole concept of why is this important? Can't we get by in the world just being kind of nice to each other and everybody kind of have their own thing going and you don't have to worry a, about? This, this is a great issue. And to me, this is, this is so beautiful. It is, was evident to Aristotle and I think can be and should be evident to all of us of just how noble real human happiness is. In other words, this is the kind of philosophical part of we need to understand the greatness that we are called to. Aristotle saw simply as human beings. The great thing is Christianity shows us this at an even higher level. But just on the level of what can be naturally known, Aristotle had this sense of real human happiness, real human flourishing, a human life well lived. It's such an amazing thing. Mm -hmm. And it is most of all done in the context of this thing he calls true friendship. In other words, we are made for that kind of rich communion with other persons where truly knowing one another, truly loving one another, we live a good life together. And we can't even picture ourselves being happy without these others that we live this kind of life together with. Now, that's fascinating, and, and that sounds great. Um, and now I know th- there are people listening right now who are thinking, well, okay, I- I'm in. I want to have one of these true friends, uh, so how do I do that? What are the things, what are the practical ways we can apply this? And we're going to talk about that when we come back. Before we do that, I want to uh, remind everyone we have a great website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. And also, I would love for you to send me an email. Tell me all about yourself and what you got going on in your life and maybe something you'd like to hear about here on The Catholic Cafe. And you can do that at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And so, if you want to be my friend, you will come right back. I'm Bess Drzemski, and this is another great moment in church history. As Jesus and the two thieves hung upon their crosses, Roman soldiers came to break the legs of the crucified to hasten death, as nightfall was approaching. When they came to Jesus, however, they found that he was already dead. The Gospel of John tells us in chapter 19, But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he tells the truth, that you also may believe. John does not name the soldier who pierced the side of Christ, but Catholic tradition has known him to be St. Longinus, and many stories surrounding St. Longinus, bordering on legend, have survived over the centuries. It is told that St. Longinus, who was nearly blind, 
was miraculously healed as the blood and water that flowed from the lance wound of Jesus fell into his eyes. This caused him to exclaim, Indeed, this was the Son of God, as recorded in the Gospel of Mark. It is said that St. Longinus was so moved by the events of Christ's crucifixion and his own healing that he converted to Christianity on the spot. The story continues that St. Longinus then withdrew from military service, spent time receiving instruction from the apostles, and lived the remainder of his life a holy man in the region of Cappadocia, now modern Turkey. Legend has it he was imprisoned for his Christian faith and his teeth and tongue were removed so that he could not proclaim the gospel to his fellow prisoners. But miraculously and much to the amazement of those who imprisoned him, he was still able to speak the truths of the faith in a clear, fearless voice. He was eventually beheaded and his relics now rest in San Agostino, the Church of St. Augustine in Rome. The relic of the Holy Lance that pierced the side of the crucified Lord can be found in one of the four great pillars that rise above the main altar in the Basilica of St. Peter. Whether or not the events put forth regarding St. Longinus happened exactly as tradition tells us is unsure. But what can be said with surety is that any man who stood at the foot of the cross of Christ and witnessed the death of the Son of God and the Savior of the world would be a changed man. He could never be the same again. I'm Bester Zimski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm still Deacon Jeff, still talking to Tom Dorian. Yes, sir. Thank you. And still talking Thanks, to... friend. <laughs> That's right. Are you really friends, though? We are friends. we got a lot to work on. Let me just say it that way. I mean, we have shared many a donut together. I'm hurt. I'm hurt. But, but uh, you know, I, I, that's a good question, Tom. Are he never really... listens to me. I'll tell you that right now. Hmm. <laughs> I'm listening to him right now. I don't hear anything important. You know, that's the problem. Anyway, all okay. that aside, you That's know, I, I I know that some of my listeners right now are probably thinking the same thing. I think we're we're going to all find it's pretty rare in our lives that we've really exposed ourselves, opened ourselves up, and even and genuinely, truly cared about another human being in our lives. It's it's it sounds like it's pretty rare. I think it is rare, and I think it's challenging. In fact, some people, upon studying this can be tempted to be depressed hmm. but, I, but i'd like to I, I think i think actually we should see it as a great opportunity as a great yeah. challenge and something that actually should give us much hope we are called and we are capable of having the kind of profound relationships that really constitute human happiness and yes we should take stock of where we are and realize we could be doing better and of course we might be tempted to think Wow, who's able to be my friend? Mm -hmm. Of course, probably the better question we need to ask is, am I really capable of being the kind of friend that I should be? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. So it's it's a two-way street. It it, it is a two-way street. But from wherever we are, we can start right here Mm -hmm. and say, what can I do starting today practically to make myself a better friend, to try to cultivate better relationships 
with those around me. Right. And I'm hoping that the people that are listening right now who are thinking, I don't have enough true friends. It's not about the, you know, racking up a bunch of numbers. It doesn't take mm-hmm. a certain number of true friends to get right. into heaven. But I think a lot of people are realizing, well, then what, what are the things that I can do practically? What am I going to be able to do to sort of, you know, to help myself in, in just having a really a, a good true friend? Mm-hmm. Well, I think a fitting start might be in taking stock to say, with whom might I try to go deeper? Look at the relationships I have right now and ask how, maybe just maybe starting just in one of them. I mean, Aristotle in, in, insists that you really, by the way we're constructed as humans, you really can only have that r- deep kind of friendship with a very few people. We can have broader relationships. We can have other kinds of relationships with other people, but this real true friendship tends to be with just a few. So we might want to look and say, all right, with whom might I now kind of start the project of trying to go deeper and maybe even make that explicit? Here's an example Mm -hmm. of how that can be done. It might seem strange, but I think it really can be a beautiful and practical thing to go to a friend and say, you know, I'd like to strengthen our relationship. I'd like to make this relationship be more than it is now. And how might we do that? And, and one thing that can, could be done is say, maybe we could do more to hold one another accountable. We can help one another be better. And I invite you, as you look at me and you look at my life, when you see me falling short, I invite you, I ask you, help me. Begin by saying something to me. Call it to my attention. Help me work through it. Just help, holding one another accountable is a beautiful way that we can grow deeper in friendship. Mm-hmm. One of the things that Tom and I are both involved in, we're, we, we have been through the Curcio movement. We've done a show about the Curcio. Mm-hmm. And we, we basically have these, uh, you know, as guys, we get together, we have accountability groups where we actually hold ourselves accountable. We talk about our week, how we spent our week, what we did, whether we lived up to uh, – the ideals that, mm. that, that have been laid before us and, and the places where we've fallen. And so there's part of that already going on, but maybe even a deeper way, when you confide in one other person, that's, that's got to be a, a quite a beautiful, um, a beautiful experience. And part of that, like you said, that nobility in that true friendship then would be in that, in that, just that willingness to, to go deeper with that with that other person. Mm-hmm. Right, and you see, of course, how this connects back to what we uh, were talking about in the earlier segment of when you really know one another. You see how it, it requires this kind of accountability, this kind of he- really helping one another grow to be the persons we're called to be. It requires that we know one another well, and it requires that we have that real deep love and true willing the good of the other person. You see how those are the great basics that allow us to be in that position to really help somebody else. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, if someone's asking, like, well, where is this somewhere in the Bible? I mean, do we have any kind of scriptures that help us understand just whether or not this is actually even possible or something that Jesus even wants us to do to really have? I mean, I, I know he wants to be to, to be good to each other, but to go that deep, to have that deep abiding uh, friendship. Do we do we see some places in Scripture we might want to call to mind? Well, I, I think there um, there are several, and, and one particularly that I would would call to mind is where, interestingly, our Lord makes explicit, and He does so in a very solemn way, in an extremely solemn moment in His life, in His last heart to heart with His disciples, 
He speaks of, I will call you friends. So clearly, this notion of friendship is at the heart of, of human life in general, mm-hmm. and then specifically of something that our Lord is calling us to. And of course, beautifully here we see in the Gospel of St. John that he's actually ultimately calling us to friendship with himself, which in, in view of the things we've already been saying about what friendship really means, it, it, it is just so profound. I mean, I, I could, um, I'll just read a, a couple of lines here from the 15th chapter of the Gospel of St. John. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I no longer speak of you as slaves, for a slave does not know what his master is about. Instead, I call you friends, since I have made known to you all that I heard from my father. Well, see, that's what, that's what this shows. So far, we've, all these things are summed up in those words of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that, but that does beg the question, though. I know that all this true friendship, some of the stuff you've been talking about has been based on you know, the teachings and, and, uh, of Aristotle. But didn't Aristotle have a problem with, with friendship with God? Did he actually think, well, wait a second, you can't be friends with God. And here's Jesus saying, I call you friends. Is there some disharmony in there? Well, th- this is a great point. Let's just take a, a, a step back and see a great truth that Aristotle saw. He emphasizes how at the heart of true friendship is having real conversation. That friendship is really lived out in heart-to-heart, profound conversation. Of course, friends also have light and fun conversation for sure, too. But there's something very unique and beautiful about the kind of personal communion that can come about by sharing our deepest selves in conversation. So given that great truth, which itself has a lot of practical implications we might want to come back to, that beautiful truth there, that led him to say, well, of course then, we can't have friendship with God, for we can't have that kind of communion. We can't have that type of conversation, that personal contact, in that deep level that's at the heart of true friendship. Mm -hmm. So here I I, I love the point that Aristotle was was right that there can't be friendship with God unless something happens that Aristotle didn't know could happen. Right. And of course... That's the incarnation. I mean, that God dwelt among us. He took on flesh... Right, and he walked among us. He in in great humility, and so now Indeed. that made it possible for us to be friends with God. Indeed, yeah, that's Indeed. beautiful. It's 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 such an amazing thing to think God comes to Earth to make the call to friendship possible. That's quite beautiful. And then I, I want to go back now and talk again the practicality of this con- this concept of conversation and how difficult it is in this world to even have a conversation. I mean, we're sitting here in the luxurious corner booth and we have a little cup of coffee and we're and we're we're talking about things and we're having a conversation. That's great. But how difficult it is in this world for families to sit down and talk, for friends to really share time with each other, where they're actually saying, you know what. My time is now yours. That's, That's a, just hard to do, isn't that, it? That is, that is such a great point. I think we need to realize that we are living very challenging times in a number of ways. And here's a way we probably haven't thought of, that the culture we live in tends to remove 
the best contexts for good conversation mm-hmm. so that you and I now need to make a specific effort. And I think this is a, a very practical thing. It's something we need to pray about, something we need to think about as families and among our friends. How can we find those contexts, those opportunities to be together and have these kind of conversations where we really are able to be present to one another. Ah, presence. That's the key. That's it, it, absolutely it, the it key. It is. We live in an age of absence. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the great challenges there, there's these many great technologies that have many great uses. But at the same time, these technologies themselves can be a cause of disruption between people, separation of absence we are glued to screens right rather than making face-to-face personal presence happen if i i think if anything would would be that thing that would change our culture it would be that you know i i I love technology i've got some technology but the reality of that being face-to-face and talking with someone where your eyes are making contact you can't there's there's no substitute for that Abs- abs- absolutely none. Mm-hmm. It's so clear we are made for face-to-face communion between persons. Now, I'm sure some people want to know where we're going to find this book if they want to find out more about true friendship. And the book is called True Friendship, Where Virtue Becomes Happiness. Um, and so we're going to tell them that they can go to your personal uh, blog site, right? And this is, uh, this is we, baconfromacorns.com. Uh, which is quite – that's a whole other show. We're not going to go into it. But uh, baconfromacorns.com. And so you can find that book there. This is a, a website that's dedicated to basically to you know family in the household, right? It's mm-hmm. not specifically it about is. this book. It is. But um, that, that is a particular area of interest of mine to be trying to bring some great insights from great philosophers to the whole area of household and family life. And that's what that website is dedicated to. But there, there is. I also have um, links to the different things that I've published and so forth. Well, wonderful. And so we really appreciate it. So go there if you want to find out more about uh, what Dr. Cutterback is talking about. Uh, and also, uh, you can find this book on uh, the Focus website, focus.org. The Fellowship of Catholic University Students. They're the ones that help publish this thing for you, right? That's right. right. That's uh, right. And so you can go there as well in their little bookstore, and you can find this information. So, Dr. Cutterback, thank you so much for opening our eyes, and hopefully this will be a life-changing show for folks who are looking for true friendship. It's great to be present with you. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the gifts and blessings you've given us. And we thank you in a special way for the gift of true friendship modeled after the love that our Savior Jesus Christ had for each one of us. Help us to be truly present to our friends in the same way Christ abides in our hearts and is really and truly present in the most blessed sacrament. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.